Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is DTC Growth Hacking with Rob McGray. Brought to you by Field Test. Advertising Simplified. to DTC Growth Hacking, Selling Stuff Online, presented by Field Test. This is a podcast that discusses how the direct-to-consumer marketing movement has grown something beyond the traditional sense of marketing into the way we communicate, collaborate, and engage as a culture and a society. Today, we're seeing more and more brands under an intense amount of scrutiny. Consumers are asking questions about their brands, their favorite brands, loyalties and beliefs like nothing before. And it feels like the true nature of brands is playing a deciding factor in who buys their products. It's a topic that we think is going to keep coming up. Basically, will brands have to pick a side in the culture wars? And as far as brands and culture go, there are a few brands who go as synonymously with their customer demographic as much as Grindr. Grindr is the player in LGBT dating apps and has been since launching in 2009. It's a subscription-based product, which has resulted in lots of hookups, as well as lots of long-term relationships. And in this episode, we're speaking with Grindr's Director of Marketing, Alex Black, about Grindr, how it's become part of the LGBT community, and how it will scale. Alex, welcome to DTC Growth Hacking. Thanks, Rob. Very happy to be here. Happy to have you. How's it going today? Good. Yeah. Overcast day in LA. Just uh, kind of early June gloom, but otherwise... You know, feeling good. Yeah, Alex. I just want to. I, I want to um, let everybody know that, uh, for full disclosure, that you and I go back. Um, Alex and I worked together at a little LA startup called called Rever Rever dot com back in the day. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I, um, you know, early YouTube days. We were we were right there in that mix. It was an exciting time. Yeah, I feel. I, I, I and I don't really know, but I feel like that was like. That was kind of a, an early career move for you. Am I right about that? For sure. That was my first kind of real full-time job out after college. Yeah. I mean, before that, it was like, you know, barista. So that was kind of like the start <laughs> wow. of my yeah, career for sure. Yeah. And you, and you got, I mean, and, and so you, you went right in with the Sharks because you were our community manager. Yeah, well, I started as a um, yeah, one of the video moderators. So, you know, everything that was uploaded to Rever had to be moderated because we were monetizing it and putting ads against it. Um, so I was doing that. And then, you know, Mickey Krimmel, I think, quickly sort of took a liking to me and my communication style and kind of groomed mm-hmm. me to become the community manager there. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing how that happens. Like you kind of you, you end up somewhere and then a bunch of things happen and then you have a career. Totally. Yeah. I mean, my career has been so random. It's worked out, but it's been a real random journey here. 
Yeah. And just just so everybody knows a little bit more about Alex, uh, he's an accomplished musician um, and, and, and I happen to be a fan of, of his work. It's, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Thanks, um, yeah, he's got a degree in anthropology. Yeah. And, and I wonder if like, you know, your background, your, your musicianship, um, your, your interest in, in basically how societies work and cultures work and people kind of, you know, integrate. Um, does that, does that come in handy when you're, when you're building a brand? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my, my early experience as a community manager and music and anthropology probably all kind of play into, you know, what I'm doing now with Grindr. I think the community manager piece, it's like, you know, the, the real crux of a community manager's work, I think is making sure that a, a user community feels seen and heard. Right. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, the most important thing when you're really kind of nurturing and growing a community around uh, an app or a, uh, any any company really, um, and so you know I was always thinking about that that stuff um, and and you know really how how we communicate and uh, to to our users. So that stuff's really been important I think for my work at Grinder because not only are we thinking about you know our user community of of Grinder users, but we're also thinking about the LGBTQ community in general, kind of in a larger sense. Yeah. And you know, you know, issues of kind of being seen, being heard, visibility, representation are huge for the LGBTQ community. So I think my background in community management, just kind of on a smaller scale, thinking about how to help a community, you know, have a voice within a company or within a within an app or a product, um, has really informed my work with Grinder and working with like a the larger LGBTQ community as well. Um, and then, yeah, cultural yeah. anthropology, I think, primed me as well. Uh, Grindr is pretty much available in almost every country on Earth. So we have a really diverse user base uh, across cultures. The way people use the app in the U.S. Mm -hmm. is different than the way people use the app in India. is different than the way people use the app in Chile. You know what I mean? So I think having kind of just a, an awareness and an interest in, um, you know, different cultures and how, how their, you know, systems of of meaning and interaction and connection can, can work and be different uh, and, and also be similar has, has also informed, you know, my work with Grindr as well. And then yeah, music less yeah. so. I mean, it's fun. I, I have a lot of contacts in the music world just from being a musician. So it's fun to be able to bring some of those people into things that we're doing with the Grindr brand, whether it's events or, you know, kind of concerts, live streams, social takeovers. Uh, yeah. Content partnerships like that. I, I can remember, uh, I'm going to say it was probably around 2010, 11, maybe 11. And it was when I think I first heard of Grindr, like from someone who was on the platform and, and they were so excited and they, they wore it like a badge of honor. Right. right. Like I was, I, I met this guy on Grindr and, and what I noticed right away is that Unlike a lot of at the time, you know, people weren't necessarily talking about meeting people on on Internet dating apps. It was almost like they were embarrassed in a way when they tell you, they'll be like, how did you guys meet? And, and oh, um, we met on a, we met on a dating online. <laughs> and and, and, right. and yet at the and I remember distinctly it was not that case. It was no, I met I went on a date with the guy from and yelling and like just this new excitement. And and I thought for a minute, like, wow, like I think I understand what's happening. Like this this friend of mine has never really been able to say this. Yeah. Um, and, and, 
and he knows that I'm left out. Like that, I, this isn't for me. It's for him, right? right. You know, and, uh, yeah. and and it's and it was crazy, and it was crazy, and and I, I watched the word spread so quickly. I don't think I've ever seen any marketing for Grinder ever, and I know I'm probably not the demo, but I haven't seen any. Yeah, I mean, the organic growth has been crazy, and it's really fueled, you know, most of Grinder's growth over the past decade. Grinder has had to do very little. I think in the early days, you know, they did some UA and some, you know, kind of more paid marketing advertising stuff. But really, now today, the brand awareness is so high, and and it's just such an organic influx of users through the door every day. We don't have to do a whole lot of that stuff. But I mean, if you think back to when Grinder launched, like think of how I mean. So, so as a queer person, right, like I go out to a restaurant or a coffee shop and I see cute people, people I might be interested. I don't know who's, I don't know who's kind of, you know, who's, who's, who's a possibility, right? I don't know who's on my team. Right? It's not, you can kind of assume as a straight person, okay, if, if you see somebody that you're interested in, you can assume that probably it could maybe happen or you have a chance or whatever. As queer people, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to kind of know who your community is in any given setting. So when Grindr launched 10 years ago, I mean, that was... Imagine how revolutionary you can open an app and you can literally see all the, you know, the queer people around you or a lot of the queer people around you. And so all of a sudden you have this kind of demystification of like, who's, who's, who's queer, who's not like, who should I be, you know, talking to, or who do I have an, you know, an opportunity with. So I think just the excitement of that. And like you said, there's a certain kind of element of like, you know, clubbiness to it. It's like, okay, like this is for us. Mm -hmm. This is a space where we can kind of see each other connect and it's not for, you know, it's not for people outside of our community. It's kind of this very special sacred thing. So there is a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of ex- kind of potential and excitement there. It, it's a real thrill, right? Getting on Grinder for the first time, I think as a queer person, especially if you're younger, just coming out, just kind of dipping your toe in kind of the LGBTQ community, it can definitely be a real thrill. So I think that is part of what helped kind of take such a a fast and strong foothold in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And I I always, I wonder, and and you definitely know the answer to this, but that there was some kind of, you know, um, back and forth happening between Grindr and, and the community where, maybe it wasn't clear who was establishing the rules, right? Meaning that Grindr very much became adapted to the way that folks were meeting and the way that, which, which as you just described had been very different than, than, than um, say straight people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and I wonder like how, influential was the culture in figuring out the behaviors that that grinder would support in those early days well you know i think so joel who founded it and and i think he used to tell this story all the time is he invented grinder for himself and his own kind of very personal very specific you know needs and and use cases right so this is a guy who, you know, is kind of a self-proclaimed introvert, right? So the gay bard maybe didn't necessarily work for him. He'd kind of get out in that environment and it, you know, it's kind of sensory overload. There's so many people. It's like, and, yeah. and, and you know, you've got to make this kind of like concerted effort to put yourself out there and approach people. And 
he was like, you know, as kind of an introvert, like how can I kind of create my own kind of ecosystem where I'm comfortable? And, and so for him, Grindr was really that answer. It kind of helped kind of helped him visualize who's out there, who's around and how can I, you know, connect with them on my own terms, you know, in my own, in my own way, in my own time, you know, in my own comfort zone. And so that's, that's, I think why he created Grindr. And then very quickly it, it took on sort of a life of its own, right? As, as people started using it and it started growing and there became all these additional use cases for it, you know, like people really use it a lot when traveling. I use it a lot when traveling. It's a great way to meet locals, whether you're looking for, Mm -hmm. you know, for hookups or for just a restaurant recommendation. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think quickly it, 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 started to appeal to people beyond kind of Joel's very kind of narrow vision and, and use case that he created it to sort of solve. Um, and yeah, I mean, over the past decade, it's just become such a ubiquitous part of, of gay culture and queer culture. And, and really, yeah, now, now we're as much as we kind of create features and introduce things that we think will be of use to the community we're you know hearing from our community this is what we need this is what we want this is how we use the app and so we're really responding to that as well uh yeah 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 i, I was out to a dinner with with um julie and i were out with another couple and they were they had met on grinder and and um and then at some point they mentioned that they were both still on it and and I was like, well, but what's up? And they're like, oh, no, no, because like we meet people, we do this, we do that. Like, and you began yeah. to understand that it had become very much a part of, of, of how they socialize and how they interact with, with the community itself. Absolutely. I mean, I think that is a, a big difference between Grindr and some, some other dating apps that are kind of more less, less specifically for the queer community, maybe more for, you know, kind of... Uh, I guess the heterosexual community, you know, plus they're always open to, to, to queer users as well. But I think with Grindr, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the other dating apps, I think, is it, is it Hinge or Bumble where their, their tagline is actually like the dating app designed to be deleted, right? That's, right. that's the whole goal. It's like you find your one and then you don't need Hinge or Bumble or whichever one it is anymore. Grinder is very not that, right? Like I, I met my partner of six years on Grinder. We both are still on Grinder every day. We use it to meet friends. I find tennis partners on it. We also use it for hookups together, right? Like, so I think f- for a lot of uh, a lot of our users, um, the app becomes kind of an ingrained part of their life, whether or not they're in a long-term committed relationship. Um, so you can meet your life partner on Grinder, like a lot of people do, and then continue to use the app. And so I think it's, it's, it takes on a little bit more prominence in our users' lives than say like some, something like Tinder. Like I don't think a lot of Tinder users feel sort of a deep kind of long standing connection to yeah. Tinder as an app, as a company, but somehow Grinder you know, for, uh, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, it becomes a really, you know, important and kind of fundamental part of people's experiences, uh, as queer people. Um, and, and, you know, it's not always like a smooth relationship. I think the queer community has a very conflicted relationship with Grindr. I think in a lot of ways it's, it's a, it's a real resource for, for us and a place that we really rely on and have come to depend on to kind of, you know, get the lay of the land and be able to kind of, you know, kind of, kind of get a sense for who's around, where we are, you know, if you're in a new place, you can kind of open up the app and see what's, see what's up. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, I think people have the same gripes about Grindr as they have about any dating app, right? You know, the whole dating experience is sort of fraught with disappointment or all these things. Yeah. So people have a very kind of, you know, uh, complicated relationship with dating apps. And I think that's absolutely true of Grindr and probably even more so that they're continuing to use it while they're in relationships. And, and, um, yeah, so it's yeah. a, it's definitely yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah. ahead, I mean, the sorry. dating apps are very much the messenger, right? They're, they're the conduit between people, but it's still, you're still dealing with people, right? And right. there are, there are, there are nice people and there are shitty people. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, dating is a, it's a, it's a, it's, it can be a war zone. And so I think sometimes, yeah, people start to associate those feelings with the dating apps themselves. I think you see a lot of that. There's a lot of kind of griping about Tinder, Bumble, Grindr, all of it. Right. But at the same time, people, yeah, really rely on, on apps now to, to be yeah. making those connections. So it's this kind of contentious relationship. Yeah. So, so I know that Grindr you know, ha is and has and will continue to expand beyond dating. Um, we talked a little bit in, in, in our earlier conversation about, you know, what that could mean and, and how the, the grinder empire was growing. Can we talk a little bit about, cause what, where I want to, where, what I'm really interested in is, you know, like how that scale happens. And is there a point where grinder becomes more mainstream or is it something that is so tied to the community and and you know that the community is almost possessive in a way yeah um yeah i mean i think over the past couple of years especially grinder has uh, you know been increasingly you know thinking of itself as a, as a lifestyle brand and maybe you know uh, holding more for our for our users in our community than just the kind of bare functionality of you know meeting people for hookups, dates, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Um, Grinder users are super engaged. Our average user spends about an hour a day on the app, and that's just the average users. So we have users who are spending a lot more time than that. And and uh, so yeah, I think I think we've always we've always seen a lot of potential in connecting people with more than just other people. Can we connect them with, you know, culture, events, content, news, um, you know, uh, so we, you know, one of the things Grindr did a couple of years ago was it launched a digital magazine called into, and that was kind of one of the first big forays into expanding the brand and the product into more lifestyle, uh, direction. And, you know, that was really, that was actually a really successful project The it was, they created a lot of really great award-winning kind of, uh, journalism around the queer community and global equality. And, and, you know, it was, it was a super incredible project. It ultimately was something that the company, um, you know, shuttered after a couple of years because it was, it was, a, it cost a lot. It wasn't bringing in a lot of revenue, but mm -hmm. I, I think that, that that kind of initial experiment uh, in 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 creating kind of content and culture and really connecting people to a larger kind of uh, picture of the LGBTQ community is something that's that's stayed on. So we still make a lot of content. We still do a lot of video. We have a digital zine called Bloop, and always kind of looking for ways to keep our users connected and engaged with, with, with more than just, you know, the kind of like 
typical dating app stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's been, that's been something that's, that's continued after that initial into experiment. Yeah. I I just want to, I want to emphasize, you know, the 60 minutes average per day is a massive number. And (laughs) for everyone listening who knows how, what a big deal that is. I mean, that is, that is a massive accomplishment, you know? Um, and I could see how, I could see how, when you're looking at that and you're thinking about, you know, what else could we provide people, you know, from a, almost like a service perspective, like what other kinds of information can we give them? Because they're here. For sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's everything from, it's been everything from like entertainment. We do, you know, really some fun kind of, you know, just like celebratory videos, spotlighting people in the community, talent, uh, you know, we do a lot of comedy stuff. Um, uh, comedy content has always performed really well for us and, and continues to. But also it's been, you know, connecting people with sexual health resources, connecting people with, uh, you know, we did a huge get out the vote campaign uh, last year. So, we, you know, we use the platform to, to connect our users to, you know, everything that I think we we feel is, is valuable to them, uh, you know, as 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 members of the queer community, you know, beyond just dating. So yeah. that's something we're constantly kind of working on. And what, what's, what's, what's Grindr's internal creed? Like what's, what, what's, what are the core values at Grindr as like, you know, that you guys are, are trying to live up to all the time as, as representatives of the brand? Yeah. So we're in, um, we're in a bit of flux with that. Grinder was acquired a little less than a year ago. So we've, we are under new ownership and I've actually been working with the CEO, Jeff Bonfort. Um, mm-hmm on, you know, kind of establishing what our new values are going forward. But there's definitely some common themes. We haven't we haven't finalized the latest value set yet, but sex positivity is a big one, right? Um, global kind of equality. So Grinder for Equality is our kind of more philanthropic arm, and it's engaged in a lot of uh, activism and community partnerships uh, around the world, mostly outside of the U.S., mostly in in um, you know developing parts of the world where it's maybe less safe or even illegal to be queer, uh, really engaged in a lot of work yeah. there to kind of help further further issues of LGBTQ equality and uh, promote safety and security in places where it can be really dangerous to be to be queer. Um, so those are a couple values. Um, I think the brand itself, simplicity, has always been a value, and and I I think that that's um, reflected in the product. I mean, one of the beautiful things about Grinder is is it's a really simple user experience. It's a very low barrier of entry to sign up and start using it, and kind of immediately understand what's happening and and what 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 the value of the app is. Um, so you know, those are some of our our guiding principles. Um, and yeah, ever sex positivity for sure. I, I mentioned that already, but I think you know it's really easy. Yeah. And we see a lot of this in in kind of like the the media's kind of stance on dating apps is is you know hookup app is almost used as a as a you know a way, a way to pan kind of grinder it's it's just a hookup app right um, so I think yeah. we we really want to push back against that I mean for a lot of people hookup is step one and you know dating comes later and, and a lot of people in the queer community and, and I'm just speaking kind of anecdotally and from my own personal experience. You hook up first, and if that all goes well, then you get to know each other and maybe have dinner or a date and, like, you know, take it further. So I always find it kind of funny when people kind of write 
dating apps off or hookup apps off as, oh, it's just a hookup app. You're not going to find anything meaningful there. And I'm like, says who? Like hookup is step one for what could ultimately become your life partner, uh, you know, as it did for, for me and my partner. And I think a lot of people kind of, you hook up and then yeah. you see where things go, right? So um, sex positivity is always something we want to be promoting and uh, sexual health is another big one for us. Yeah. Those are, which are all, all very important things. I can see other brands seeing Grindr as a threat. You know, you have the, you have the, at least an hour, you know, with, with most of your, your paid subscribers, you've, you've got a window in, into this community and, and you're a brand that is, you know, is practicing what you preach, you know, and I think we're going to continue to see a lot of other brands, you know, claim that they're all about diversity and claim that they're all about, you know, sexual equality and gender equality and whatever the latest, whatever the latest thing that they're, they're supposed to say. Right. Right. But if you really get down to like, who is that company and like, who are they? You know, because it's always people and and do the people really believe that? You know, yeah. and, and, and if Grindr is really the community and, and this is what, what I was saying earlier is that it's a little it's dangerous, but it's also powerful. Right. To be so yeah. embedded in it. Right. Yeah. Well, it, you touched on inclusivity. And of course, that's the big kind of brand value that I didn't mention. But it's that is that is kind of one of the biggest driving pieces Uh and Grindr has, you know, a sort of a, a spotty past with with that because I think when Joel launched it, you know, he really envisioned it envisioned it as an app, I think, for gay men, and um, you know, he launched it in West Hollywood. It was a very specific place, a very specific uh, type of user. I think he was catering to in the early days, and as the app grew, and you really got this like huge, huge breadth of diversity on the platform. You know, any anybody and everybody is on Grinder. I mean, no matter how old you are, where where you are, like it's just everybody's on there. So it really quickly became this kind of giant melting pot in a way. And I think early on there were some challenges with with you know discrimination on the platform, um, harassment on the platform, people kind of feeling like the platform was for them and not for other people. And, you know, there was, I think, you know, there's always been a struggle to, to keep our users, you know, protected and, and, and keep the app inclusive. But in the past, I think Joel was very hands-off early days was just kind of like, you know, we, we've created this kind of platform. It's kind of an empty vessel. Our users are going to do with it what they will. But especially in the last, you know, four or five years, grinders really, you know, realized, okay, we have a responsibility to be fostering inclusivity and diversity and making sure our platform is a safe space for all of our users. And so it's been a it's been a, a process and a challenge. I think grinder, you know, public perception, a lot of users in the past had have, have experienced things like discrimination or harassment on the platform and had started to associate the platform with that type of thing. And, you know, we've really made a concerted effort on the, on the moderation side and the customer experience side over the past couple of years to address that. Um, and the kinder campaign was actually something that, that me and my team, uh, worked on a couple of years ago. And that was, uh, you know, really raising awareness of, around the different types of discrimination that people face online and especially on, on queer dating apps. Um, 
so yeah, yeah, we, you know, we, we were talking a lot about HIV stigma, femme shaming, body shaming, transphobia, sexual racism, all these things that people face on all dating apps, but, you know, also on Grindr. And, uh, and so, you know, inclusivity has been a huge kind of North star for us over the past couple of years and, and where we are, you know, taking the brand. We want, we want to be as inclusive as possible because really Grindr, yeah, I mean, I think the power and beauty of it is that it can be this real, real space for, for everybody. And we want that to be a safe space and a supportive space. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, I mean, that's so, I mean, it's so powerful and, and I mean, I know you, so I know you're not like just saying it. Um, but I, I don't know, I, as you were talking about it, I was just thinking of like, I wish there was some way to know Grinder's contribution to, and, and this is going to sound a little, a little out there, but you know, to humanity, you know, and, and in sure. some ways yeah. for helping normalize things that, that have had a stigma and, uh, you know, and making feel people feel good and welcome and like that, 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 that they're, you know, that, that they're fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, yeah, Grindr can be hugely formative um, and impactful for people, especially young queer people who are just coming out, just kind of getting their footing, finding, you know, finding their identity within the community. Um, it's interesting, you know, there's a, a, a group out of the um, Stockholm University of Economics that reached out to us recently, and they're actually putting together a research study on 
Grinders impact on LGBTQ acceptance around the world. Mm. So their their hypothesis, this hasn't been, they haven't done the research yet, but you know, they've, they've let us know that they're getting started on it and we're going to be working with them on it. Their hypothesis is that, yeah, Grinder actually has moved the needle on LGBTQ acceptance globally because it's helped people come out of the closet. It's helped people find community. It's helped, you know, kind of at least start conversations around these issues for people. Um, and yeah, especially in, in parts of the world where it still can be really scary and dangerous to be queer. Um, you know, Grinder has, has, um, been, you know, for a lot of people, the kind of first, first touch point, um, of, you know, their queer experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat moved just, I, I never really thought about it the way I'm thinking about it right in this moment and the, the service it's provided to, you know, to so many people. And, and I, you know, and as you talk about these countries where it's, it's still very dangerous, um, you know, for folks. And, and I, I start thinking like, Oh shit, like, the, the, the privacy concerns and like the things that you guys have to think about um, with these customers, you know, because not everybody's like, I'm just going to use a stereotype in a way, but like not everybody's like walking around West LA, like right. on Halloween. It's, um, okay. you, you know, there are folks that have to be really, really, really careful and, and it's life or death. Absolutely. And you know, the product is, is different in, in certain places, right? In certain regions of the world, we don't, we don't enable certain features that can be used, you know, really by local police in, in some cases to, to target LGBTQ people. So we disable certain features and enable other features that you don't really have in, in the U.S., for example. Um, uh, so we've definitely customized the app to, to some of the different situations that our users are facing around the world. Um, and, you know, especially geared towards safety of people in places uh, where it's can be really dangerous to be gay. Yeah. 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 Well, sorry to, sorry to bring us down there. Um, but it's very real. No. It's a very yeah, real thing. You know? Um, Hey, hey I, here's a question for you. You know, we, I've spent time in startups. I know you have, one of the things I really love about working at a smaller company is that you are able to kind of bring together expertise from different disciplines in the business and, and, and get the right inputs to create the products. And, you know, I know you've, you've worn a couple different hats at, at Grindr, you know, and like, how, how does Grindr go about like, you know, integrating the, the, the concepts that marketing you know, the requirements that marketing has, the vision of marketing directly into the product. Like, what's that process like? Um, yeah, we, we, you know, my team works really closely with the product team. Um, and it's, it's always been a real dialogue, right? When we have marketing initiatives, like for example, last year for pride, you know, pride is such a big deal for the queer community and, and for Grindr as a brand and an app. Um, and, and, and there's kind of these long-standing tried and true to traditions around it, right. That are almost all related to in-person physical gatherings. So we kind of had to rethink that last year and, and so did everybody else. And so, you know, even in that instance, it's like, okay, we got to celebrate pride. We can't do in person. So we're going to do uh, you know, a, a virtual festival. So we did kind of 30 days of virtual events 
and the product team, you know, was working with us side by side to build out, you know, a, a new section of the app that was going to, you know, be able to kind of host, uh, host and, and just that calendar programming and get it in front of our users and, you know, get people excited about it and keep it kind of, um, keep the conversation around pride kind of going in terms of, you know, in the, in the product, in the features that we were developing. So, uh, they, they, they've always, you know, the, the product team is always, um, yeah, working with, working with us on the marketing end to support kind of what we're doing and then vice versa. I think, you know, we've learned a lot as marketers, um, about just thinking about, yeah, product and, and how do we, how can we featureize some of the things that we're working on and thinking about and, and, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an ongoing dialogue for sure. Yeah. How do you, how do you measure success? Like, I mean, you've got, there's a couple of different things that come to my mind. Like you can, you know, you, you have data on, you know, the number of connections, right? Like yeah. the number of, but, but like, how do you, as a, as a marketer, like measure that, you know, how do you quantify the, the work that you're doing as being, as being successful? Yeah. I mean, I think the most rewarding successes are, are really those, those connections that, that people find meaningful. Right. So, you know, we do a series on social where we, we literally just put out a call for, for submissions, hashtag met on grinder. Right. And we hear from hundreds and hundreds and, and thousands of people who met their partners on grinder and they send us their, their stories, how they met, they send mm-hmm. us photos. And so then we, you know, we then create content out of that. We sometimes do videos with them. We share, share out their stories on social and then shout them out. And, and, you know, people are always really excited, um, to have their stories shared. Um, and so that's, I think that's one of the, the, the most kind of, uh, you know, easy to kind of, um, celebrate successes. Uh, I think also Grindr as a company, you know, we have had, uh, we've had our uh, kind of brand perception issues over the years. You know, we've had some, some issues with data privacy. We've had some, a lot of which is based in misunderstandings, but in general, the, you know, I would say media takes a bit of an antagonistic stance with Grindr. So another way we measure, measure successes is when, we get positive press, right? When we release a video, uh, you know, say like something for, um, you know, trans visibility uh, month and and that gets picked up by the advocate and shared. And the, and the story is about how Grindr is telling queer stories and kind of spotlighting users. And it's not about some of these other like kind of, you know, more negative kind of like, uh, uh, you know, narratives that, that we've kind of, um, been dealing with over the years. So, you know, good, 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 positive press, people resharing our content. Those are, those are really, you know, uh, easy to measure wins for us successes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, on the data and product side, you know, just a growing app, a growing community, people, uh, you know, these, the, just the sheer number of conversations and photos being sent on our platform a day is, is pretty staggering. I mean, it's like in the billions, right? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I started to think, uh, and, and you guys probably already have done this or are doing it and I just don't know, but I started to think about this, uh, grinder stories being, you know, a, a podcast 
um, you know, where you're basically kind of reenacting um, the, the, the process of people like meeting. Cause I think that would be really interesting. Cause I've never, like, I want to know what are those tech, what are those back and forth interactions like? You, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We did a, we did a podcast last year called the rear view that did touch on some of those kind of user stories, but in general kind of dealt with like larger grinder culture. I mean, there's kind of a whole cottage industry that has sort of sprung up on, on social media around grinder memes. Like if you look at, look at an account like best of grinder, it's one of many accounts that are just basically based around grinder screenshots of grinder conversations. I mean, the stuff mm. that happens on our app is, is hilarious. I mean, there's, there's amazing, hilarious, interesting things happening all the time. So people are kind of like unearthing these and a lot of the time it's like kind of making fun of the the experience of of of, of mm. gay dating or queer dating and kind of you know some of the ridiculous things people uh, say to each other and sometimes it's hilarious in a, a good way sometimes it's hilarious in a not so great way but uh it's 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 really interesting to see how gr- uh, grinder culture kind of, you know, transcends the grinder brand that, you know, that we're kind of dealing with uh, or working with as, as the company. And, and our users have really created a whole kind of new, new conversation around grinder culture and grinder memes. And it's, uh, so we, you know, we, we, we also kind of engage with that conversation. We, we, as a brand like to kind of poke fun at ourselves, right? I mean, dating is awkward. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all the things, right? So, I mean, we, we've also kind of, you know, found it, uh, a really, um, fun way to kind of engage with, with that conversation by just being part of it, kind of also poking fun at, at ourselves and our app and dating culture, queer culture, all those things. Have you guys had to, you know, basically take a moment and, and almost create a glossary of all the terms that have been have spawned out of the out of the behaviors within the app? For sure, we did. We we published uh, a grinder glossary uh, on on our content uh, site Bloop uh, either last year or the year before. I, yeah, it's it's got like fifty or sixty kind of like acronyms and, you know, terms that have sort of originated out of, yeah, uh, the grinder experience and dating app culture. Yeah. I mean, I remember in this, this, this story I told earlier about this friend who was the first person I knew on the platform. And he was, he was one of these, uh, these people who was really obsessed with his abs and, uh, you know, his stomach and, and like, but there, he showed me a bunch of photos of other people who were equally as obsessed. And basically, the profile photos were like from the, the you know, the, the neck down. And yeah. and and I was like, wait, is that a thing? And he's like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that, that's that's very much a grinder stereotype, right? It's just a sea of headless torsos. Um, <laughs> and that may have been more true in the past. I think when you open the app now, especially in, in cities, it's you really see people face first, uh, linking their socials. So, you know, linking like their Instagram from their grinder profile. So it's much less yeah. of a kind of anonymous, uh, experience, but I think in the past and maybe in the early days, that was, that was very much true. Yeah. Hey, Alex, outside of, um, grinder, like what are the brands that, that, that you like, that you think are killing it? The, you know, the, the apps and products that, that, that you, um, use for inspiration? 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really like Spotify. I think, I think, I think everything from the products to the marketing to just, you know, my own personal use of the app is, is, is on point. I think their marketing is, it, it always looks great. Um, it always sounds great. They, they manage to keep their copy really, you know, snappy and, and, and fun and concise. Yeah. And, and I, you know, as a former copywriter, I am always copy is kind of my first, my, the first thing that I look at with a brand, if I like the copy, I'm like, okay, I'm listening. Um, cause copy, copy is so easy to do wrong, do bad. I mean, there's just, there's yeah, so much yeah. Bad I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like you can, yeah. I, I, I'll stop. Like if, if the first thing I read is ridiculous, like, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm if, like, you make me, if you make me cringe, if you make me cringe with your copy, like right off the bat, it's, it's not looking good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like Spotify does a really nice job. Their, their design team is killer. You know, the, the Spotify wrapped that they do at the end of every year. Oh yeah. Super, it's really fun. It's super cool. Fun. And so, you know, we, you know, yeah, Spotify is somebody we definitely look to. So we actually did grinder unwrapped this last year, which was kind of our take on Spotify's year-end kind of stats wrap. So we compiled a ton of user of user data and and put together a really fun kind of grinder unwrapped that just kind of teased out some trends in uh, you know queer dating and culture from the year. Um, so yeah, Spotify's been been a, a good source of inspiration, I think, for us and the team. Yeah. Going back to the copy thing, I, I, I'm just going to say a pet peeve of mine. You know, you know how like everybody's trying to be that friendly brand and now, you know, with the, Hey, hi, how are you? And, and, and it's yeah. gotten so ridiculous at this point that it just feels like a computer is writing all of it. Yeah. It, it comes off feeling really generic and uh, too cutesy sometimes. I, one thing that we, you know, that I, that me and, and, and my copywriter, we, we feel pretty strongly about is like no exclamation points. I just think exclamation points are so overdone sometimes these days to, to, to strike that sort of friendly, Hey tone, you know, it's just like, no, we're not going to do exclamation points. So it's actually yeah. in our, our brand guidelines. It's like no exclamation points. No. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. And in a way that does kind of take the, the tone of voice into a little bit more of a kind of a dry place. But I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a sweet spot for us because, you know, kind of a dry snarky kind of, uh, uh playful, but like also, maybe a little bit sassy, uh, tone of voice is, is very on brand for us. Um, so yeah, you won't be seeing any exclamation points on grinder. No exclamation points. Alex, I, I love, um, I, I'm kind of, I feel jealous right now that I don't get to work on cool grinder stuff because it just sounds like a, a great place to be and, um, a great mission to be behind. And so, uh, you know, good, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that knowing you, I'm happy to see that you found this niche for yourself uh, that can really take advantage of all your talents. Do you get to make any music, by the way, for Dudes Grinder? Do they, do they, have you been able to f- find a way to integrate that? I, yeah, I have, you know, we do a lot of video content and we usually are just kind of sourcing um, stuff from, from music libraries or if we, ha- you know, if we're working with artists at the time on, on events or collaborations, sometimes they'll lend us a track. But I have stepped in once or twice to create a little, a little, a little ditty, a little beat, a little something for a video if we needed it. Um, but I think the the kind of the the most the most rewarding way I've been able to kind of tap into my you know music music side, working for Grinder is really just um, 
you know, booking, booking artists, um, queer artists, queer, queer performers Mm -hmm. for, you know, events and and parties and live streams that we do, um, you know, and really supporting kind of those, those artists who, who I know from my time as a musician and kind of giving them, giving them the platform and, and, uh, access to the audience. And, and, you know, that's, that's always exciting. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful, powerful position to be in, you know, I mean, knowing what I know about the music business and how, you know, exposure is everything. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm outing us. It's just basically like, you know, um, following Spotify's playbook, but we do a new music Friday series. You know how Spotify has new music Friday. Mm -hmm. Brander does a new music Friday and each, each week, you know, we <laughs> feature a uh, kind of an up and coming queer artist who's either released some new music or a video and they do a social takeover and put a playlist together. And we, you know, we really promote them like uh, across, you know, across the app and all of our socials. And that's become a really, you know, a really great and, and popular kind of series. We get hit up by, you know, dozens and dozens of artists every week being like, you know, can I do your new, new music Friday this week? So we have like, yeah. I think we're booked out through the end of the year at this point. Um, wow. Um, that's so awesome. that's, you know, that's a really, you know, fun, fun way that, that we've been able to kind of support, you know, queer talent and, you know, also keep our users connected with, with, with what's happening in culture and music and all that stuff. Yeah. Alex, people want to find out more about um, the initiatives at Grinder and all the good work that you guys are doing. What's the best way? Well, there's, there's grinder.com. Um, there is also downloading the app. Um, if you're curious, um, whether you're curious, curious, or curious <laughs> just about the product <laughs> and the content and the marketing and what we're doing, and um, then, you know, yeah, our socials, I think even if you're not somebody who would want to download the app and be on the app, if you know, mm-hmm. check, check us out on Instagram, YouTube, uh, we do a lot of content, a lot of, uh, a lot of collaborations, partnerships. So there's always something interesting happening on our socials. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Alex, I, I, I really appreciate you doing this and coming on and spending some time with us. Um, hey, happy to be here. Super fun, Rob. Yeah, I've been I, 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 I wish that that, you know, in my in my heart of hearts, I wish that there was a way to magically make Grindr more mainstream in a way. But yet I understand yeah. why Grindr is what it is. And I totally get it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think um, I don't think we. I don't think we ever want Grindr to be mainstream. I think there's something really beautiful about the the, the fact that it is that it is kind of this special special place for you know the gay, bi, trans, and queer community. Mm-hmm. I do think that you know with our content, we're we're trying to be ever inclusive. So you know we, we do increasingly want to engage like the the L of the LGBTQ in a way that we haven't in the past. So you know, we're working with her on some interesting things, her app, um, the queer ladies app. So, um, but yeah, a day when grinder is maybe for, for the heterosexual community. I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but um, I'll get you on a a free subscription trial if, and when that happens, Rob. Well, thank you, Alex. Thanks again. Um, and listeners, you know, this is one of the the most exciting parts of, uh, direct consumer marketing for me. And when it's not about actual marketing, it's about empowerment, culture, identity, and, uh, and bringing people together. If you like the conversations that we have, please uh, be sure to subscribe. We'll do our best to keep bringing in the best in the business to talk about this world of DTC we live in. 
And uh, I also want to give a shout out to the entire team at Field Test for producing the show and giving me the chance to have these sorts of uh, public conversations. Um, Thanks again, Alex. And uh, until next time, everyone, keep making good trouble. This was a Field Test Podcast.